Hey guys, Abel here back with another video and in today's video I thought we might as well talk a bit about body recomposition, recomping. There were a couple of requests recently for me to talk about this so I thought why the hell not? So there are a couple of questions that I want to address in today's video. For one, just kind of the basics of body recomposition. Secondly, who can recomp and who cannot, or at least who is less likely to achieve body recomposition. Thirdly, what are the best body recomp protocols? How do the best coaches achieve body recomp with their clients? And fourthly, I forgot what the fourth one was, but I will get to it as I get there, I'm sure. So first of all, the most basic thing that I think is good to clarify about body recomposition is that in 99.9999999% of cases, when we talk about body recomposition, we are talking about gaining muscle in a calorie deficit. I'm sure you have seen a lot of these infographics on Instagram, like, should I cut or bulk? Well, if you're too fat, you should cut. If you're too skinny, you should bulk. If you're skinny fat, something in between, then a body recomp protocol might be worthwhile for you. And how do you do that? Well, you eat at maintenance and you slowly lose fat and build muscle at the same time. That's not how it goes, okay? Body recomposition in basically all realistic scenarios means a calorie deficit, okay? I actually made a body recomp quiz on Instagram a couple of months back and I asked the following question. If you gain 15 pounds of muscle, and lose 15 pounds of body fat, then what is the energy balance required for that? Is it maintenance? Is it a deficit? Or is it a surplus? And the correct answer is, believe it or not, it's a deficit, okay? Another question, you gain 25 pounds of muscle and you lose 15 pounds of fat in the meantime. Was that a surplus, maintenance, or deficit? Believe it or not, once again, it's a calorie deficit. And I could go on. Let's say you gain 40 pounds of muscle and you lose 10 pounds of fat. Was that a deficit, a surplus, or maintenance? Again, I'm going to blow your mind. It's probably blown already, but it's still a deficit. How is that possible? Well, lean body mass and fat mass have drastically different energy densities, okay? Fat is about 5.2 times more energy dense than lean body mass. And then we are actually talking about lean body mass, which encompasses everything. It covers muscle, but also bone, ligaments, water, glycogen, everything. If we were to purely focus on muscle tissue, then the difference would be even larger. But I have a video coming up actually on how many calories are actually required to build muscle. So I'm not gonna get into the geeky, nerdy, detailed energetics of this, but just know this, okay? Basically a very simple analogy that we could use here is think of your body like your wallet. Okay, if you take out three $50 banknotes and you put back in three $20 banknotes, the weight of your wallet might stay the same. But still, that wallet is in a net money deficit, all right? Because you took out $150 and you only put back in 60. So even though the weight of the wallet is the same, there is less money in it. Even if you put back in four or five $20 banknotes, there is still less money in that wallet than what it was before. So kind of the same thing is going on with body recomposition. So that's the first really important thing that I wanted to cover for the beginning. 
Body recomposition just means a cut, an energy deficit, a fat loss phase, during which you also happen to gain muscle. Now, let's talk about the whole topic of who is more or less likely to actually achieve this body recomp? Who is more likely or less likely to build muscle in a calorie deficit? Well, I think we can all agree that building muscle in a calorie deficit, while it's possible, it is harder. Why is it harder? I'm going to go full bro science mode on you because I don't want to get super geeky and waste a bunch of time covering things which are not really related to what I want to talk about here. But basically, it is harder to build muscle in a calorie deficit because you're less anabolic. Okay, I know it's super bro science-y, but please forgive me. The number one most important anabolic stimulus for muscle growth is your training. Okay, if your training is good, that is the most anabolic stimulus you can provide to build muscle. All of the other stuff, like eating a lot of calories, eating enough protein, recovering well, sleeping enough, taking steroids, all of that stuff is actually just optimizing the environment so that it's supportive of that anabolic stimulus that you provided in the form of training. They are not causing muscle growth per se, they are just creating a more anabolic environment so that this initial anabolic stimulus can actually result in the outcome that you want, which is muscle growth. Now, when you start messing up this environment, so you're not eating enough calories, you're not getting enough protein in, you're not sleeping enough, maybe you're at a body fat percentage where your hormonal profile is not optimal for you, then you're making it more difficult to build muscle. Now, when you think about things that become harder, then I think it logically follows that the people who will still be able to do that thing, which now became harder, will be the people for whom doing that thing was easier to begin with. While for the people for whom that thing was hard to begin with, if now you make it even harder, now they will have a really, really hard time doing it, okay? If you make it slightly harder for me to play with my PlayStation, I will still be able to play it because it's just so damn easy to do for me. If you make it slightly harder for me to ride a skateboard, then that will be basically impossible for me. Because even if you don't make it harder, I have a really hard time staying on that skateboard for more than two seconds. So when it comes to body recomposition, there are some people for whom building a lot of muscle is easier. They have a lot of potential to build muscle at this moment in time. What is the adage that is repeated by everybody? That who can achieve body recomposition? Steroid users, people that are brand new to training or at least are not very well trained, people very high in body fat, maybe people who have been well trained before but had a big layoff and are now returning to training so they have muscle memory on their side. Okay, why have you heard all of these things? Well, it's because those are the people for whom there is still a large potential to build a lot of muscle. Whereas someone who is very well trained already, has been training for 15 years and intelligently so, maybe someone who just doesn't have great genetics for building muscle in the first place. Well, for those people, if you make this whole muscle building game even more difficult by being in a calorie deficit, it's going to be very, very hard to the point where it might actually be impossible. 
So basically, body recomposition, it is definitely doable, but for whom it is doable, for whom it's less doable, it kind of all moves on a spectrum. If I get a new client and the client is completely new to training, or maybe the person was well trained before, but at this point, maybe he had a long layoff, so he's just returning to the gym, muscle memory is on his side, and is at, say, 30% body fat. At this point, I would be shocked if I did not see body recomposition because he's high in body fat, which means that a calorie deficit is not going to be a big hindrance. Basically, that anabolic environment is not going to become so much less anabolic because of that calorie deficit. Secondly, he still has a lot of potential to build muscle because he, at this moment in time, is new to training. And especially if he was well-trained before, he has muscle memory on his side. So in this case, I'm expecting that body recomp to happen. Now, if at the same time I have a client who has been training for 15 years and has built a lot of muscle already, has been training intelligently, eating intelligently, and is now trying to go from 8% body fat to 7%, I would be shocked if I did see body recomposition, okay? And there's, of course, all kinds of scenarios in between. Now, at this point, I want to talk about these body recomp protocols, because even though you might understand at this point that in almost all scenarios, body recomp just means building muscle in a calorie deficit, some of you might still be thinking that, well, but there must be some special protocol that some of these top coaches are using, okay? For example, you might have seen some of the Facebook posts and blog posts of Menno Henselmans who mentioned that, yeah, I had these clients and they achieved complete body recomposition. Notably, he had one case study where a guy went from, I think, 14% body fat down to about 10% body fat and he remained completely weight stable. His body weight did not go down whatsoever, which means that all the fat that he lost was replaced by muscle. So that is complete positive body recomposition. Now, when you see something like that, you must be thinking, man, I get the general premise of recomping, but there must be something special behind this. There must be some unique method that he is using. Well, let's break it down. All right, so if we look at this case study of Menno, this individual has gained roughly three kilograms of lean body mass and has lost approximately three kilograms of body fat over two months and 17 days. So what is it? 77 days, let's just call it 80 days for easy math. So three kilos of lean body mass. I'm not saying muscle because as I said, lean body mass is everything that is not fat. So also bone, glycogen, water, etc., and has lost these three kilograms of fat, which is crazy impressive. Okay. In 80 days, so two and a half months, that's crazy good. And I will say that this is incredibly rare. So it's really understandable if you're thinking that there must be something very unique and specialized behind this. Well, if you break down the energetics of all of this, like what would be the energy balance required to achieve this, then it would come down to approximately a 300 calorie deficit day to day over those two months and 17 days. So roughly 80 days, okay? 300 calories. Now this guy was roughly 83 kilograms. So for a guy that size, you know, 300 calories, what's that? Uh, 
10, maybe 15% deficit, which is fairly reasonable if you look at his before picture. He was, you know, pretty lean to begin with. So 10, 15% deficit, that's fairly reasonable. He could have gone a bit more aggressively, but uh, I would say that that's a pretty good standard kind of cutting setup. So what should you be thinking about this? Well, I can tell you this. Menno is a very successful coach and at any one time he has probably anywhere between 30 to 50 clients. I would bet with you that at this point where he was working together with this guy, he probably had at least five, maybe 10 guys with very similar body stats and very similar goals. Roughly 80 kilo guy, roughly, you know, 14, 15% body fat wants to get leaner. And so it's quite conceivable that a lot of these guys were on fairly similar protocols because why wouldn't they be? They are very, very similar in terms of their stats and their goals. So, you know, most of them were probably on a similar setup, you know, 10, 15% deficit for a guy who is roughly 80 kilos, that will probably mean, you know, 300-ish calories of deficit. And so they were put on that protocol. Now, out of those five to 10 guys on that very similar protocol, probably only one accomplished this phenomenal body recomposition result. Because if that wasn't the case, then trust me, in this article where this case study was presented, you would have seen a lot more case studies like this. Now, the reason I'm telling that to you is not because I'm trying to shit on Menno or say he is a bad coach and this is just a fluke. No, I think Menno is a phenomenal coach. And if I was to reach out to someone to coach me right now, it would probably be him. I'm just telling this to you because this means that this recomp that this client achieved was not some specialized protocol. At that time, probably Menno had guys similar to him on very, very similar setups, but they did not get the same results. And that was not because Menno approached them differently. And he thought to himself, okay, these guys, I'm just going to get them leaner and this guy, I'm going to have them recomp. No. He put all of them on a calorie deficit, which he deemed to be optimal. And besides that, you know, he just optimized their training to the best of his abilities. Of course, he was watching how they were progressing and was monitoring their body composition, watching how well they were recovering, etc., etc. But the fundamental approach was the same in each cases. It's just that this guy happened to recomp because that was just in the course for him. And maybe not so much for those other guys. Maybe some of those other people just got leaner and did not put on muscle. Or they did put on muscle, just not quite as much as this guy, so their body weight still ended up going down. Which is all to say that recomp protocols are not really a thing. Us, like Menno, myself, everybody who is coaching people, what we do is we look at the person. We look at their stats, their training gauge, their body fat percentage. If they want to get leaner, which often they do, we look at how lean they are. So we look at their body fat percentage. And based on that, we prescribe an energy deficit, which we think is going to be optimal. For someone who is about as lean as this guy was in the beginning, so 14, 15% body fat, you know, something in the 10 to 20% energy deficit range is going to be pretty good. For someone who is much higher in body fat, so maybe, you know, approaching 30%, you could go as high as 
40%, maybe even higher in terms of energy deficit. And someone who is pre-shredded, it might actually be as small as a 5% energy deficit. That's as best as you can do in terms of setting up a nutritional plan. And of course, besides that, all the other fundamental things, such as get in enough protein, ideally have at least three meals a day. And of course, we can get into some of the nerdy stuff like, are you eating more on training days than on rest days? But that's kind of the fine tuning of all of this. The fundamental approach is still just an intelligently set up calorie deficit. Now, one last thing that I want to address here is why is it that we always talk about how body recomposition is possible, but a lot of you might be thinking that, hey, like, why is it that I myself have never experienced that? Because that I've heard from a lot of people, even Dave McConey, you all know who Dave is. We do a lot of podcasts together and some other collaborative work. He mentioned this a couple of times that I don't think I ever had a period when I went through a recomp. What I'm here to tell you is that probably a lot more of you have gone through body recomps successfully than you realize. And there are a couple of reasons behind this. The first thing is, is that to actually experience a body recomposition and to actually be able to even tell if that's happening, that requires that you're actually monitoring your body composition fairly meticulously and fairly closely, okay? And a lot of people don't do that. A lot of people don't have access to body fat calipers. Or if they do, they are probably those really crappy white ones, those manual ones, which are just really prone to error. It's really hard to actually get an accurate skinfold reading with that. The best body fat calipers that they also use in research are super expensive. There are some cheaper alternatives, but um, those are sometimes hard to access as well. Waist measurements are fairly good at monitoring body fat gain and body fat loss. So that most people can do, but they are much more prone to fluctuations due to things like bloating, water retention, and things like that. And of course, let's not even mention things like DEXA scans and these more kind of expensive, fancy methods. Now, let's go back for one second to the case study of this guy that Menno worked with and achieved this phenomenal body recomp. We saw the end result, so he maintained his body weight and lost fat and gained muscle, and it's amazing. But how did that actually look like in real time? How did the process look like week to week, month to month? Well, first of all, keep in mind that this guy was probably very meticulous with how he was tracking his body comp. Keep in mind that he was doing a DEXA scan every three weeks, so more than likely he was also tracking his body fat calipers, it's quite likely that he actually had access to some pretty good, reliable brand. Waist measurements, needless to say, weighing in every single day, needless to say. Now, how it looked like in actual real time was probably that he started off following the program, he was adherent to the training, to the diet, was following the macros and the calorie targets. And probably when he was reporting in week to week, he mentioned things like, well, I was uh, following the plan to the dot, but uh, the weight is uh, not going down. The scale is stagnating. It seems like I'm getting leaner and uh, I'm tracking my caliper readings. And as you can see, those are going down as well, but my weight is not going down. So I don't know. What do you think? Do you think we should adjust the calories? And then Menno, as a competent coach, probably looked at his log and saw that, yeah, the weight is stagnating, but every other indicator is showing us that you're actually getting leaner. The calipers are going down linearly, your waist measurements are smaller, 
probably who also received some progress photos every once in a while. Those also looked good. So no, I would say let's just keep things where they are. I don't think we should adjust the calories. Or maybe there were some weeks where also the caliper readings and the waist measurements were indicating that he's not getting leaner. Then maybe they adjusted the calories, but the scale weight still didn't really go down. And that's how he ended up achieving this body recomp. Now, in most other cases, what do people do when the scale is stagnating? They drop the calories because they want to get leaner. And most people don't have body fat calipers, or if they do, like I said, probably not some reliable, good brand that is actually able to measure the skin folds fairly accurately. Maybe they are doing waist measurements, but most people, if they see that the scale is not going down, but the waist measurements are going down somewhat, a lot of them will not want to leave things to chance. They want to get leaner and they want to get leaner ASAP. So they will just drop the calories further and they will do it until the scale weight actually starts going down or they will just get frustrated and they give up. So it is actually quite conceivable that these incredible body recomp transformations could happen more frequently, but people just don't give it a chance because as soon as the weight is not going down, they mess with the calories. Now, I'm not saying that if people were more patient and they just allowed their scale weight to stay the same, then we would see these incredible body recomposition transformations all the time. This is admittedly very rare, but there is a chance that they could be more frequent than we realize. Now we think of these sorts of transformations as something that happens once out of every 100 cases. In reality, it might be one out of 50 cases. So it would still be very rare and super impressive, but it might not be as unheard of as a lot of you might think. And then the second thing that's worth considering here is that a lot of people, when they think of body recomps and when they say things like, well, I don't think I ever had a real recomp, they think of it in very black and white terms. So they think of cases like this, where it's complete weight maintenance, you replace all the fat that you lost by muscle. And if it doesn't happen, then they don't consider it to be a recomp. But there could be a lot of in-between cases which people just don't appreciate. So for example, what if over say two months, you lose 10 pounds of fat and gain a pound and a half of muscle? That would be super amazing and it would certainly qualify as a recomp, but most people, when they think of recomps, don't think of recomps like that, even though still in this case, you lost fat and gained muscle at the same time. I will tell you this, full disclosure, in my clientele, I've not had a case study like this. So I've not seen a person who remained completely weight stable, but dropped like five percentages of body fat. However, I did see a lot of people in my clientele who achieved recomps, but it was something like they dropped five kilos on the scale, but visually they look a lot leaner than just minus five kilos of fat loss. So maybe the person lost 10 centimeters of their waist and they look drastically way leaner and the scale weight didn't go down by quite as much. That I do see a lot. And so I look at that and I say, well, I mean, your gym performance is up. Your training performance is way better than it was in the beginning. Your waist measurement is way lower. Calipers, unfortunately, we couldn't track because you didn't have access to one. You didn't see DEXA scans. So I can't be 100% sure, but all the indications are suggesting that you achieved a recomp. You got way leaner and most probably you built some muscle because your scale weight didn't go down 
quite as much as what would be expected based on how much leaner you are. So actually these recomps are a lot more frequent than you might realize. And I would argue that a lot of you probably have actually achieved pretty impressive recomps in the past and maybe you just didn't realize it. Probably a lot of you have experienced a scenario where let's say you set yourself a goal that you want to get to 12% body fat or you were just going for a certain look and you estimated that you will probably have to lose about 15 pounds to get there. And then you ended up losing, say, 12 pounds or 13 pounds. And at that point, you realize that, wow, I'm actually where I want it to be. I'm as lean as what my goal was. And then you just concluded that, well, maybe I just misestimated things or, well, I wasn't as fat as what I believed or I didn't have to lose as much fat as what I believed. Or it could actually be that you did have to lose as much fat as what you believed, but you also built some muscle in the process. And so the scale weight didn't have to go down quite as much. I think this might have happened to a lot more of you than you realize. So recomps are not nearly as uncommon as many people believe, but a lot of people just have this kind of black and white mindset about them. Now, there is one final, final thing that might be worth addressing here. You might be thanking me for this. Some of you might be wondering that, okay, I get it. So recomps really just mean an intelligently set up diet, so a cutting phase, and you might also gain some muscle in the meantime. And if that happens, we call that a recomp. Okay, I get it. But is there a difference between two different types of cutting approaches where in one case you might be saying, I'm going to be cutting slower so that maybe I can recomp versus, okay, this person is going to be in a bigger calorie deficit and we don't care about gaining muscle in the meantime. We just don't want to lose any muscle. So we are going to go more aggressively. Is this something that coaches are tinkering with? And that's a fair question. And the answer to that is yes. To some extent, this is something that we do tinker with. So for some people, the goal is really just to lose as much fat as humanly possible in a limited time frame. So maybe the person actually has some deadline coming up for their fat loss. So maybe they have a vacation coming up or a pool party or a reunion, or maybe work is gonna get really hectic two months from now. And at that point, cutting is just not gonna be feasible. So they just want to accomplish all the fat loss that they can until they get there. In that case, yes. I'm basically going to look at the person and say, okay, what is the calorie deficit that could still be considered to be safe, not risk muscle loss, and we will go with that one. If the person does have the time, so they are not in a rush and they just want to get the best fat loss results imaginable, then I'm not going to absolutely max out on that theoretical fat loss rate. Because for one, I cannot be 100% sure if that fat loss rate is actually going to be safe. You know, maybe a 30% energy deficit is safe, but maybe that's pushing it a little bit too far. So if I don't have to, I'm not going to be gambling with that. And so probably I'm going to be erring for something more moderate. So if I'm estimating that, okay, for this person, you know, a 10% deficit is definitely very, very safe and maybe even overly conservative, a 30% deficit, might be still safe, but I might be pushing it a bit too far at that point. You know what? Let's air for something reasonable, which is still ambitious, but not like super, super fast, which might be a 20% deficit in that case. And so that's where I'm going to set that person up. And in that case, you know, that's still a very appreciable fat loss rate. 
and there will still be some room left for recomping. But what does not happen, or what at least I would definitely not suggest anybody, is to intentionally take that fat loss phase super, super duper slow, so that maybe in that case you can recomp. Because basically then the whole process is going to be inefficient. You know, if you're intentionally slowing yourself down way too much, just so that potentially you can still gain some muscle in a deficit, then in those cases, usually you could make an argument that, well, it might be more worthwhile to lose fat a bit faster, even if that comes at the expense of missing out on that magical recomp, and then you will be done with the diet faster, and then you can actually go into a calorie surplus and build muscle much more efficiently then, okay? So that is basically the extent of that tinkering and that thought process. So basically that is it on recomping. That is all I wanted to say. I hope I managed to say something informative and something that was perhaps new to you guys. If not, then I hope that you just enjoyed listening to this. So I hope you liked this video. Please let me know what you thought. If you have questions, drop them in the comment section. If you liked the video, then please a thumbs up. If you disliked it, thumbs down, completely okay as well. Check out my website and my comprehensive guide on the question, should you cut or bulk? It's an ebook, it's free and downloadable. So check that one out. And otherwise check out all my availability for coaching, consultations, and all those sorts of things. And uh, with that, I wanna thank you for your attention for today. And I will see you in the next video.